Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Ace Alex Cardinal Entertainment Network with your host, the crazy Alex Cardinal from Springfield, Massachusetts. You can expect the unexpected on the Ace Network. Now on to today's show. You are listening to Aquatic Wetline Live from Ace Network. The Aquatic Wetline is the first and original aquarium-keeping podcast that specifically focuses on freshwater fish, and it will continue to focus on freshwater fish. The Aquatic Wetline will discuss everything freshwater from Oscar cichlids and other South and Central America cichlids to catfish, tetras, barbs, and more. Plus, we will also chat saltwater and reptiles. You can expect nothing but the best on Aquatic Wetline. Now let's dive deep into the fish tank and see what our fishy friends have to say tonight. Now, from Ace Network Studios, here is your host, the monster fish lover himself, Oscar Alex Cardinelli. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Akari Sales USA, School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatics. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio-Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysa shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc. and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality in freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquaalex. Now, Aqua Alex, take it away. Jeff T. Jeff, how are you doing today, sir? 
Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing phenomenal. This is going to be a phenomenal show, and today is kind of a hectic day for me, but uh, I was really looking forward to this show, and I'm happy to be here live in living color here on the Aquatic Wetline and East Network, so I think it's going to be a great show. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Now, in a couple minutes here on Aquarium Central, I'm expecting a big guest here on the Aquatic Wetline. That's right. This is probably one of our biggest guests to date ever on the Aquatic Wetline, and he should be joining us momentarily. Now, this is also going to be our first guest in this wonderful series called Aquarium Central. And this guest is going to be a guest that I have researched a lot. And this is a guest that I've been spending years watching all his videos. I've been a big fan of his YouTube channel since it was first created. I watched his first couple of videos and thought that they were wonderful. And I had no doubts that he was going to be a mega star on YouTube. And fast forward all these years later, he's going to be a guest on my show. And I am extremely honored at that. So we are expecting to have King of DIY, Walru Joey, on the show tonight. We're just waiting for him to call in. And Jeff and I are going to ask the King of DIY, Walru Joey, some wonderful questions. And if any of our listeners out there have any questions for Walru Joey, you may go ahead and call in at one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. That again is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. So we are just awaiting the arrival of our monstrous guest tonight, the King of DIY, Walru Joey. And as I said, I've been watching his channel for a while now, and I know that Walru Joey certainly loves his walrus. He loves his stingrays. He loves his monster fish, but he's well known for creating do-it-yourself aquarium projects. So we're going to discuss all of that with him as soon as he shows up. So uh, what are your thoughts on the aquatic wetline and Aquarium Central scoring the King of DIY, Walru Joey, uh, Jeff? I think it's awesome. He's got a great YouTube channel, and he just makes awesome content on his videos. I definitely agree 100% with you. So while we wait for him to show up, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, take our first commercial break because he's actually not here yet, and I want to save some time for his uh, interview. Wait a minute, I think he's here right now. So hopefully this is uh, this is Walru Joey. So I'll bring him on. Hopefully this is him. Hi, you're now live on the Aquatic Wetline Aquarium Central. Hey, what's going on, Alex? Hey, how you doing, Joey? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. I'm honored to have you here on the Aquatic Wetline, and uh, thank you very much for accepting my offer to come on the Aquatic Wetline. I'm very, very honored. Of course, yeah, absolutely, no problem. My pleasure. I've been watching all of your videos since you, uh, since you first started a YouTube channel, and i got to say they're phenomenal. Definitely one of my personal favorite channels of all time. Awesome, man. Thank you. It's definitely uh, uh, been been uh, a road, that's for sure. It's uh, been a lot, of, uh, a lot of work and uh, a lot of changes, and, you know, they consistently get a little bit better, I think. I'd, I'd hope to think, but you know, I think I heard you say that you've been watching for a while, so you you probably seen me stumble through learning how to even create a video. 
Yeah, I think pretty soon they're going to have a cable television show because he's got a wonderful YouTube channel. Uh, no, I'll never, I'll, I'll never actually do that. Um, to be honest with you, I enjoy what I do, and I'm going to stick to, uh, stick to YouTube, I guess, and uh, what I've, what my intentions have always been, and not lose focus on what I'm really doing. Awesome. Sounds great. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to my co-host, uh, Fishkeeper Jeff. Here is our wonderful guest, Walru Joey. How are you doing? Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to good, have you on good. the show. Thank you. Awesome. So how about we start about with you explaining to our <laughs> listeners about your uh, wonderful uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, I mean... Uh... I guess where can I begin? I, well, ultimately, I create uh, do-it-yourself projects, tutorials, and how-tos in video format on YouTube, and uh, you know that's essentially what I've done do and become uh, a passion of mine, and I, I really enjoy it. However, it wasn't always like that. I mean, uh, originally, I was not a video maker per se. I was just you know uploading videos that. Um, random videos of my fish, tanks, updates, you know, little things like that here and there. And do-it-yourself kind of got popular for me, and I just kept kind of doing them, and it snowballed from there. You know, it was never my intention to create a popular channel, or, or I would have picked a better channel name, that's for sure. Yeah, your videos are very good, because, like, I had trouble with it. I needed a tank divider for, like, an 18 to a... 24 inch wide tank and like you said they're pretty inexpensive but it's hard to find the ones that are wider than 12 inches so that video yeah. helped me out a lot yeah yeah there's always a little something there um i try to you know so the key to my success with youtube and all of my do-it-yourself projects is i've learned that um what's the point of creating a project that nobody can build um, and what I mean by that is I don't do projects to impress anybody. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not trying to be an inventor. And I'm certainly not going to do a project with materials that you can't find. So um, so while the, the projects look really easy, simple to do, and they really are, uh, the, the biggest challenge is you know, the research and development phase where I have to find all the materials that are commonly available. And I mean there's a ton of research that goes into each little piece that I make sure is cheap and easy to find. Uh, so, you know, that's been the key is to make it actually possible for people to build what I'm building. There's really no point in, in following a how-to if you if you literally can't get all the supplies or find anything or it's too difficult or, um, you know, the, it's too advanced type of thing. So I find that uh, that's definitely been the key to my success uh, with YouTube there. Yeah, a lot of awesome videos. Like one of my favorite was the how to do a TV aquarium from a while. It's probably a couple years ago. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, uh, originally my idea for that video was to take the entire inner tube out, uh, not the inner tube, but the the television tube out, and just pop in, uh, pop in um, an aquarium and, and you know basically call it done. But that's essentially what what I've seen most people do. And I and I thought, what if I just tried to save the front glass to make it still look like the the original tv so although yeah, that uh although that probably might not be what most people will do i thought it was uh it was fun to build yeah it looked awesome at the end hmm. now the question i have your app it's a pretty awesome app i listened to all 17 of your episodes on there and i think my oh. favorite one was when you were talking about the one that got away about the freshwater stingray you have Okay, yeah. The, was it about the Bosmani? 
Yeah. Yeah, so so I wanted to um the app is uh, a multi-purpose tool for me for myself and really I I guess I'm being selfish with it because my channel is all about do it yourself, but I feel like uh I have so much to share and so much more to talk about and I really enjoy talking about other things in the hobby as opposed to just do it yourself projects. Uh so the 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 app uh features content that you know, I never really get to talk about or really get to share my thoughts or opinions on and you know, over the last couple of years, I've realized that a lot of people just simply want to hear almost anything I talk about. So I decided to create the app and uh, do a podcast. Not like this one. I mean, um, my intentions were never to create a, like, a professional, well-done podcast. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, my videos are very well done. I mean, I'm not, to, I'm not saying that I have to do a great podcast. But the podcast was for me is just to, um, and I don't even know if I, I, I'd want to call it a podcast, because really it's just a recording of um my voice type of thing there's no music there's nothing you know and there's there's nothing in it to make it um you know as attractive as most would be but uh basically it's just i talk about whatever i want whenever i want um taking suggestions um you know topics things like that and just sharing stories and i've got a lot i've got actually a lot banked uh, i still have tons of podcasts that aren't out yet but um so basically, it's just a, it's been a really nice outlet for me, and it's a compliment to my main channel is is essentially what it is. But um, yeah, that's 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 pretty much been it. But a lot of people don't know all of the things that I do. Now, obviously, I'm all over social media, like you know Instagram and Facebook, Google Plus, uh, you know all of the main sources. But I also own a forum, uh, DIYFishkeepers.com. I founded that about four years ago. Um, it's got about 15,000 members, but so I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, the app looks great. I like how it started out with the introduction and went to, like, how you got into the hobby, your first mm-hmm. project, and it goes all everything from, like, information on quantity to quality and quarantining yeah. and how to care for fish and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think it's great. Yeah, and in retrospect, as I make the podcast, uh, I guess what I should do is probably at least give myself to note, some notes to follow because ultimately all I'm doing is um, once I get an idea that pops in my head or I feel like talking about something, I just record it, and I don't actually go back and listen to it either. So you'll hear me clicking it on and clicking it off at the beginning and end. Uh, so essentially it's just me having a conversation with the people that are listening. And I felt like that was going to be uh, an important part to it. I really wanted it to, to feel authentic and um, truly you know, uh, just raw and as if they were right there with me. And we were just talking about fish. And that's what I really wanted it to be about. Yeah, it's great. And I like how you can pick up your book on it. I'm going to pick up a copy. Oh, well, the the book, yeah, the book. Um, so I wrote that book about a little over a year ago. And, um, yeah, it's been hugely, hugely successful. It's definitely my, you know, uh, probably what I'm most proud of um, and what most people enjoy. But, uh, yeah, it's a great book. I love it. Yeah, it looks awesome. Now I'll let Alex go over. I'm taking it over his podcast. Okay, thank you, Jeff. That sounds uh, sounds wonderful. And I've been listening to your podcast, Joey. I gotta say, your podcast is uh, pretty good for someone that is new to podcasting. You do a fantastic job. Well, I'm good at talking, and basically, talking is uh, uh, what a podcast is. And I wouldn't say that I'm good at talking. It's just that I like to talk. Now, I don't know if I like to hear my own voice or I just like to talk about fish. I haven't decided yet. Well, you're pretty good at both, pretty good at talking and pretty good at fish. Or actually, you're uh, excellent, not pretty good. You're excellent. Oh, thank you. 
You're welcome, Mike. I really, I really do mean that. So, uh, what do you like best about the fish keeping hobby? Uh, well, you know, originally I, I, I tend to send uh, stick to and uh, never forget my roots and why I got into things and why I do something. Um, so for me, what I like about the hobby is that it's been, um, you know, it, it's for me when I first got into the hobby. For me, it was more of a, it was almost like a life changer. It really helped improve the quality of my life and, you know, put me on a better track. Because when I got into it, I was only 19. Um, and when you're 19, and uh, you, you know you, you're going to go one of two ways, you're going to go through a positive life, or you're going to go through, you know, a negative life. And I was definitely heading down the wrong road. So, fish keeping kept me on a positive note and uh, gave me something to do with my idle hands, and you know, something to look forward to, something to have pride in, uh, something uh, to feel accomplished with. And uh, so that's what I like about it most is the the sense of pride that you can have with it. Awesome. I definitely agree 100% with you on that. Fishkeeping hobby does have a, a lot of pride. Now, I actually do like that you love monster fish just like me. I love things like Oscars, arowanas, and things of that nature. But you love one of my personal favorite fish, the freshwater stingrays. I love those, too. Those are awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. It's not that I like monster fish, actually, and I guess that's a, a common misconception that I have about myself. But it's not that I like monster fish. It's just that the fish that I do like happen to get really big. So it's it's kind of that I get stuck with monster fish more so that I'm trying to keep monster fish, uh, but I do like really small fish as well. Like I've had community aquariums, I've done tetras. I mean, there's not a whole lot I haven't done. I keep discus. Um, uh, at one point, I had over 60 discus here. I was breeding them by the hundreds at one point. Um, you know, so I do have small fish as well, but uh, for the most part, yeah, the, my my favorite fish do get really big. Yeah, those freshwater stingrays are awesome. I've had a couple oh, of yeah. uh, freshwater stingrays before, the the mataros and the teacups. Actually, you were the, you were the person that inspired me to get into stingrays. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it does seem that uh, a lot of people associate me with uh, stingrays these days. But I suppose that's because that's pretty much the only fish that I really show in my videos the most. Yeah, they're awesome. So, uh, what kind of stingrays are you keeping right now? They are Leopoldi Black Diamonds. Ah, very nice. Those are like $2,000 up here. Yeah, well, the price doesn't change very much to here either. <laughs> those are very beautiful. Those are, uh, those are the prettiest uh, stingrays in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, some people would argue that they're not, but uh, just because they are, you know, um, black and white. However, you know, I like the contrast of them. I think they're um, a, a very good, uh, if you can get a really nice, you know, ray with good genes, then it could be really beautiful, for sure. Yeah, they look nice. But it's, it's definitely out, not the prettiest. Uh, I'm sorry? I said they'll look beautiful in a nice black and uh, white sand or a black sand and a nice white one. Yeah. They'll look nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they'll, they'll look pretty, they'll, they'll look good on almost anything. Yeah, stingrays, stingrays are a, a favorite fish of mine, too. Have you ever been stung by a stingray? Have ever what? Been stung? No, no, absolutely not. I know some friends that have been <laughs> stung, but it's not uh, its not something that's very common. It's very common for, uh, you know, the locals in the Amazon. Um, the stingray is not a prized fish down there. It's viewed more as a pest. Um 
because it gets into their fishing nets. It, uh, you know, eats all the fish or it gets stuck and, you know, ruins their nets. But the biggest thing is that, you know, they're stepped on a lot. And in the Amazon and or, you know, places uh, where the stingrays fail, like Peru, um, they don't have health coverage like they would in, you know, North America or, you know, the United States or Canada where we can go to the hospital and get fixed. You know, so they could, you know, potentially lose a limb. It could get severely infected. Um, but it is very painful, and they could potentially lose a day's work or, you know, so they're not looked at as, you know, beautiful and uh you know, amazing animals there. They're more so viewed as pets. Or, I'm sorry, pests. Yeah, it's very, but no, very, I've very never been. I, no, I've, I've never but, been stung. I've, I've been bit lots of times, um, but I've never been stung. Yeah, I was going to say it's very rare to be stung in an aquarium, unless you're stepping inside your aquarium, but I thought to do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the, just the name of them, stingray, makes you feel like they're almost like a like a hornet, like they're going to be out to sting you. Or, but the they don't have a stinger for attack mechanism. It's more of a defense mechanism. So, um, for example, if you step on them, yeah, they're going to bring their tail up and and uh, stick it in you, get you off of them. Um, or if you corner them in the tank and you're trying to net them, um, chances are they might lash at you a little bit. But it's not something they always go to. Um, I find that they use it on each other more than you know, trying to use it on me. They'll see the they'll see the fish keeper as a food source. So they're always they're always gonna be very friendly towards you. Nice. So uh other than stingrays, what is your favorite fish? Asian arowana. Oh nice. You're lucky to have those in Canada, but up here we can't have them. No. No, in the United States you can't have them. But I, I have one. Nice. Those are beautiful. Those uh, Asian yeah, arowana, they have a silver arowana, but I wish I could have an Asian. Yeah, um, it's definitely um, a great fish to have. It's you know, it's a, it's very beautiful. However, there's you know, there's nothing wrong with a silver arowana or a jardini or you know, a black arowana. There's, it's all, it's all relevant to what you prefer. Yeah, they're all pretty nice. The arowanas are actually a very graceful fish. Yes, absolutely. So uh, this morning before our show, I was actually watching a lot of your DIY videos, and they're actually all pretty good. Um, I actually like them all. I'd probably say they're all my favorite. But for you personally, what was your favorite DIY project? Um, well, you know, the, the projects are not that exciting for me in general anymore because I, I, I do a new project every single week week after week after week so and these are projects that I've already built in the past and you know or you know built them recently or you know so they're not as uh, exciting or fun for me so the most fun I ever have with do-it-yourself projects is um, when I um, build an entire system so when I build a new aquarium and I need a new stand, new filter, new light, you know, designing from scratch, from nothing, um, an entire system, um, you know, from the ground up. And I'm actually doing that right now. I have another tank on uh, build on the go. And I think my favorite part about builds is when something goes wrong, uh, when you didn't plan for something that ends up happening and you have to adjust for it. So um, troubleshooting issues and problems is actually probably one of my favorite things. Although, you know, it's one of the most frustrating things is when something, you know, messes up or it doesn't work out or 
it, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, the best part because it's a learning experience. Um, you know, you get to, it's almost like you're building two projects now because the first idea didn't work out, so you get to start a new one. You know, so definitely building entire systems would be my, my favorite type of project to do. Very nice. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Jeff, to ask some more questions. Okay. One thing is I can see you put a lot of effort into your videos. Like, how do you do the beginning when you have, like, that blue checker in the background? You must have a really nice camera and stuff. No, it's not the camera. Um, that's what a lot of people think, that I must film with a really nice camera. Or um, So when it comes to creating a good video, it's all about volume and lighting. Um so, for example, you could you could watch a music video that has crappy video quality, but as long as it has good audio quality, you'll listen to it all day long. And but if it has good video uh, lighting and it's properly lit, it, you know you'll watch it as well. So, for me, it's all about the lighting and audio. And I don't really film with a fantastic camera. It was a great camera about four years ago, three years ago, but it's dated now. So it, it does still does what I need it to do, but it's definitely not. A great camera. It's just a, a Canon uh, DSLR. Um, it's a T3i actually, so it's. I think it's even been discontinued. It's that old. But um, yeah, so for me, it's just all about lighting and volume. So I record my voice separate from the the actual camera. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering, how do you get that like background behind you? Is that a green screen? Or? That's green screen. So originally the screen will be green. It's called chroma green, and it's like. Um, the, the type that I use is almost like a sponge, so there's no reflection. But um, And I evenly light the background and myself, and uh, then I go into video editing later and key it out. Uh, and keying it out means, uh, I guess I could break it down like this. So um, chroma green is a color that won't appear anywhere else on your body. Um, it's not a naturally occurring color, for example. Like It's not going to be in your eyes. It's not going to be in your skin you know, uh, or anything like that. So when you tell the video editing program to remove a specific color, it will remove only the green that you're telling it to. And then when you remove it, it's almost like your video becomes a PNG image um, where the back, the background will be, you know, transparent. So now I can put something behind myself. And in video editing, that's called layering. Yeah, it looks great when it's on all your videos. Yeah, it's. Uh, I started green screening um, because I felt like the video making from me was never going to stop. But I felt like it would be important to have the same the same look to all my videos, no matter where I was. So if I ever move or if I ever go away, all I need to do is green screen, and you can't tell where I am. So not all my videos are always shot in the same room. Sometimes I have to switch locations, but nobody will ever know that type of thing. Awesome. And so I know the app was a big project, but do you have any other big projects coming soon? Um, you mean the app? Yeah, I mean, like, do you have any other projects in the works, like big projects you're going to be doing on your channel or anything? Uh, you know, well, th there's always projects, um, you know, weekly projects. But I, I suppose the next big project will probably be out um, maybe three or four weeks. I am working on another big uh, another big tank. It's it's going to be about 340 gallons. Um, but I just began working on that uh, a couple of days, and I'm going to start shooting it uh, maybe tomorrow. But uh, mm. that's the next big project. Uh, other than that, I, I'm sorry. 
And we got a question from someone in the chat. Eric Weagle wants to know, do you edit your videos with Windows or Mac? Uh, good question. So um, it's a coincidence that he asked that question because I've always edited with uh, Windows. Um, I use Sony Vegas Pro. And um, over the past, I would say, 12 to 16 months, I've fried uh, about four of my laptops that were all Windows. And they weren't cheap laptops. It's just that I use them so much, and my video ed editing software is, you know, going almost nonstop sometimes. Um, they just eventually crash. They become no good anymore. Uh, so recently, I just uh, bought a MacBook Pro, and I'm going to start using um, Final Cut Pro to edit my videos. I have not done that yet, um, because I'm, you know, I'm not really looking forward to the learning curve, but uh, in learning how to use Final Cut Pro, but. I will be using Mac moving forward, you know, really soon. Awesome. So you do a lot of projects. Have you ever made a like a, a product and had it patented, or something that you came up with or invented? Uh, no, and I'll tell you why. And and I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, a little behind the scenes. I get hounded to do that. I have companies that approach me all the time, want me to market their product or, you know, help them do some development or, you know, put my name on it or, you know, offering me their services to develop whatever I want and they can manufacture it. Um, I've been, you know, the list goes on of what I've been offered. But the fact of the matter is this. I think that everybody in my position eventually loses focus uh, because they get blinded by dollar signs. And I don't want to do that because the minute this is no more fun for me and the minute that, you know, all I'm worried about is making money, I'm just going to, you know, do something else. I don't do this to get rich. You know, there's much easier ways to get rich than to, than what I do. Um, and for me, this is all about having fun. It's all about the education process and, uh, you know, staying true to what people believe in me to be. And that is to uh, make the hobby more possible for them. You know, if it makes sense for me to develop a product, if it makes sense for me to do something like that, I will do it, but I don't see it in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so, like, I think your channel is great because some people don't have much money, so they can go on your channel and see how to make something that would normally cost them 50 to to $100, and they can make it for a lot cheaper by the videos you do. Yeah, well, that's kind of why I do do-it-yourself. But the do-it-yourself for me was never about the, uh, how much things cost me. It was always about availability. Um, I live in Nova Scotia, Canada, and I have a, a local pet store. It's a chain store, but it's very small, and they don't really have much there. And every other decent or half-decent pet store is no less than an hour away from me. So I was always stuck to – I was always limited to what was available. And I thought that if I was going to truly enjoy – um, this hobby, I had to remove that limitation. So I turned to do it yourself and, you know, uh, stayed pretty consistent with it. Yeah, no, uh, in the meantime, you know, some, sometimes I save money, but sometimes some builds don't save me money. Sometimes I pay more than what it would cost for me to build or to buy it, you know, so yeah. it all depends on what you're building and what your intentions are. But, you know, for, for me, it's all about removing I don't think here, – here's what I don't think. I don't think the hobby should be limited to how much money you make or what's available to you. You know, and, that, and that's where I come in. If it's not available, here's how to build it. If you don't have the money, here's how to save some. That's it. That's the only kind of reason that I kind of want to be around. Yeah, is, I agree is to, with you. You know, is to be the guy that I needed when I got into the hobby. You know, so I guess I'm just fulfilling a, 
uh, a bit of a niche. Yeah. Nova Scotia, home of the trailer park boys. You got it. They actually film in my town. <laughs> I just thought that would be kind of fun. Yeah, they film uh, in. They film their last two seasons here in Truro. Yeah, five awesome. minutes from me. So the, I seen one of your videos. You did a plywood tank. Mm-hmm. Now, is that really safe to do, or is there any disadvantages to doing that? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's disadvantages to building, you know, uh, an acrylic tank or a glass tank. You know, depending on how you build it, it might not be safe. Maybe you don't use thick enough material. Maybe uh, you don't adhere the panels together properly. Everything is potentially dangerous. Um, but when's the last time you heard of a glass tank exploding or breaking you hear that all the time when's the last time you hear of an acrylic tank exploding you know over the past year i don't know i've seen maybe four or five zoos with exploding you know aquarium sharks splashing it all over the floor but when's the last time you heard of a plywood aquarium breaking yeah, it simply just doesn't yeah it doesn't happen so if if you you know if you waterproof it properly and you build it uh with good structural integrity a plywood tank is almost bulletproof um, if you've ever, you know, built a plywood box, you could hit that with a with a bat and nothing's going to happen. You know, you might dent it, but, I mean, a plywood tank is definitely bulletproof if if you build it properly. Yeah. And, and plywood tanks do happen to be, like, the tank that you can save the most money on. But you really only save money on them when you get into, you know, 300 gallons or more. That's where you save, you know, you could potentially save, you know, 50% or you know, 100% or 200% less, you know, it's, it all, it all kind of, um, it it all depends on the materials used and the size you're building, but at the same time, I mean, a plywood aquarium, you could really build a nice furniture piece. If you're a cabinet maker, if you have any, any um, experience or any skill with wood, you can really make a beautiful tank with plywood. Yeah, that's awesome. I just recently heard about the plywood tanks the other day from my friend Andy from Dakota Discus and I went over and checked it out, and it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember you did one video that was you were in your fish room with your – you had your two long tanks, and you were talking about your filtration system. It was like mm-hmm. a giant barrels and stuff. What, What's it taking? What do you have to – what do you run in your sumps and filters for, like, media and stuff? Well, those don't exist anymore, I don't think. The, or maybe – oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have to see the video you're talking about, but – the, I do have a 300-gallon sump with a 55-gallon barrel in it. It's a fluidized uh, filter, so um, there's a plastic media in it that is um, neutrally buoyant, and that kind of means that it does float, but once it receives any sort of, um, you know, any any sort of debris on it or bacteria, it'll start to suspend itself in the water. Now, if you agitate a bunch of that uh, media together, it starts to fluidize, uh, fluidize. and it's, you know basically that means that it's it becomes uh, constantly moving and swirling around, and um, it almost looks like it would be snowing or something like that. But so that is the the, the type of filtration that is in there. It's a it's a fluidized filter, and uh, it's not extremely. I guess it's not very well known. I guess over the last couple of years, I've been. Um, promoting it so much, and um, that much more people know about it. But uh, the reason why I, I enjoy it is because of uh, the way it works. So in a fluidized filter, 
in any type of filter, your bacteria is going to grow on your media. Bacteria have a life cycle just like any other living organism. And eventually it gets older, more sluggish, it's not as efficient, and then dies off. And then you get mold in your tank or detritus. And uh, eventually you have to rinse your media off. You have to keep it clean. Maybe you even potentially have to replace it. But with a fluidized filter, it does all that for you. See, by the, by the method of fluidization, the, all of the media is constantly hitting each other and rubbing up against each other and knocking into each other. And what's happening is it's knocking off all of that older bacteria that's no longer as efficient as, say, the younger bacteria. So all that remains is the younger and more efficient bacteria that is going to do a much better job for you. All yeah. the meanwhile, on the inside of the media, it's a protected zone, so the bacteria have the opportunity to live out their life cycle, and other microorganisms will live in there as well. So it's just a very highly efficient filter that's self-cleaning. Yeah, and I know, like, on some of your videos, you do, you have, like, a uh, do-it-yourself, like, water change way of doing it. I know everybody does it different, but how would you, how do you go about doing it? So I don't do automated water changes because I think there's too many things that can fail. Uh, there's too many components to an, a fully automated water change system. Um, so I believe in a drip system. And that's what I use is uh, a drip. So if you've ever noticed, most big, large public aquariums will be situated by the ocean or be, will be situated by very close to like a lake or a water source, for example. And the reason being and the main reason behind that is uh, because they have constant access to fresh water. And in a lot of cases, they use what's called the flow through system. So what that is, is they're pumping fresh water from the ocean constantly into their aquariums and then it overflows out. So they essentially don't need any sort of water changes or really any real filtration systems. Obviously nowadays things are changing and uh, it's becoming more technical, but basically I took that and downsized it to my aquarium. So I constantly feed fresh water to my aquariums and it constantly overflows into a drain into my floor. So essentially... I don't have to do water changes because they're constantly be do, being done for me. However, given the fact that I keep very large fish, it doesn't necessarily totally eliminate water changes, but it prolongs them by weeks and sometimes even months. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah. Sorry I cut you off. No problem. And then I have one more thing before I pass it back to Alex. What's a dream fish that you want that you can't find, and if you could only keep one fish what would it be? Um, so if you would have asked me that question before my channel existed, I would have had a long list of animals. But nowadays, I know so many people and I have so many contacts that there's not a whole lot I can't find and can't get my hands on. Um, so, you know, there's there's really not a whole lot that makes that list. Um, for dream fish, I'm already keeping my dream fish, which is uh, freshwater Leopoldi stingrays and Asian arowana, and you know, and then sprinkle some discus in there, of course, because uh, you know I've always kept discus. But um, you know, I'm already doing that. I'm already keeping my dream fish, and um, already you know achieved what I would like to achieve in, in terms of what fish I'd like to keep. That's awesome. We got another question from Eric Weagle. Do you have access to dechlorinated water source, or do you use tap water? I am on a well, 
So I don't actually have to um, treat my water in any way whatsoever. Um, and with drip systems, of course, that's uh, the way I run them. Uh, it wouldn't work if you were on a you know municipal water source or um, whatever, however you whatever you guys call it, where you know it's um, you know the government's providing the water or whatever. Um, like I don't have a water bill. I have a, I own my well, so the water's fresh. It's not treated. There's no chlorines or chloramines in it. Um, you know I have to monitor for heavy metals and uh, arsenic and things like that. But uh, for the most part, I don't have to treat for anything. However, if you were to run a drip system and you do have chlorine in your water, by simply adding in something like a carbon block in, in line would uh, remove the chlorines because you're running the water through so slowly. Okay, great. Now I'm going to pass it back over to Alex. Yep, sure. All right, thank you there, uh, Jeff. You had some wonderful questions. And I'm going to go ahead and give another caller plug in. I see we've got a live, we have a lot of live listeners in our chat room. So if anyone has any questions for the king of DIY, Wawujoey, please go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. That's 1-347-989-8142. So I was actually watching your uh, latest Stingray video from a couple months ago, I believe it was, and um, sadly you lost one of your Stingray uh, puppies or pups, yeah. and you actually sent it to a scientist to preserve it. Could you explain that to our listeners? Mm, um, so, okay, so I have a pet peeve when it comes to the hobby, and one of those is the fact that it's so controlled and manipulated by the industry. And, you know, I, I don't have anything out for the industry, but what I mean by that is that there's no money to do anything in terms of research and development unless it's in the best interest of a company because typically they have the financial power to do the research, whereas the common hobbyist does not. So with that said, whenever possible, what I do is if I have something that I can contribute to a local university where they can do studies and or dissections and or, you know, possibly answer any other questions that I might have by providing them with, you know, materials to go on, I do just that. And uh, that's the case with uh, any chance I get, I'll do that. Yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty pretty cool. I was uh, actually happy to see that on the YouTube video. Sorry to sorry to hear that your uh, stingray pup died, though. You know, um, I wasn't um, I wasn't trying to breed them, so it wasn't as heartbreaking as you know. A lot of people said, you know, um, there goes a couple grand down the toilet, and it's not about the money for me. Um, I keep the fish that I keep because I enjoy keeping them. I don't want to be a breeder. Um, I've bred before. It's not all what it's cracked up to be. Um, you know, I I wasn't intentionally trying to breed those rays. You know, I gave them the opportunity to by getting a male and a female, obviously putting them in the same tank. But when I lost her, it was more of a curious thing where I, you know, I had no idea she was pregnant. I knew she gave birth, obviously, because there was a pup. And I thought it would be interesting to, you know, obviously raise it and try to keep it alive. But it was too young. Um, it was only a couple of inches across. And it really didn't stand a chance, so it, it died later in the day. Yeah, but at least you tried. Not too many people can actually uh, successfully breed stingrays, so at least you had a good chance. Yeah, well, that was the third species that I've I've had pups with. So um, I've done it before, and, you know, 
I live in an area where people don't have a lot of money. So even if I did breed this, these rays, I have nobody to sell them to because nobody's really looking to pay that kind of money for it. And just because somebody doesn't have the money for it, it doesn't mean you're going to lower your price. That's like saying just because you have an extra Lamborghini, you're not going to sell it for the price of, you know, a Focus. Um, you know, you still can, you know, try to get your price. With that said, I'd have to look into shipping, and, you know, it's just um, – I've done shipping plenty of times, but it's just – it's not something I'm looking to do. I'm just not looking to, to, to breed to sell. You know, I want to stay focused on creating content, um, videos, books. Um, you know, blogs, podcasts, things like that, as opposed to, you know, breeding fish, because it does take a, a ton of time. Yeah, I definitely agree 100% with your philosophy. I actually don't like breeding fish either, because breeding requires a lot of extra work, and it kind of takes away the enjoyment of uh, keeping fish. But it is kind of uh, exciting for someone to see that some of their fish that they love has bred, but it does take a lot of work, and a lot of people go into the hobby thinking that you're going to breed fish. It's always going to be success, and you're going to make a high profit. But generally, if you have a thousand fish fry, you're not going to make too much of a high profit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when I was breeding discus, um, when I was breeding discus, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't make any money. I, um, I, I bred about a thousand of them, um, and sold all but sixty. Like all of them sold. So I made around fifteen thousand dollars. But and that sounds like a whole big chunk of chunk of change. Um but really uh you have to look at it from a business perspective. Uh how much did it cost to get up and started, how many months, uh and, and hours of work, materials, you know, food. It all adds up. And at the end of the day I was doing it for less than minimum wage. I literally could have took a part time job at McDonald's and made more money. Sounds sounds great. So my next question for you is one that I ask all my fish keeping guests here on Aquatic Women because I'm always interested to find out your opinion on this. So what is your advice to uh, beginners entering the hobby, and how did you get into the fish keeping hobby? Um, so my wife got me into the hobby. She noticed that um, when we were in the the, uh, the mall, I would always want to stop at the pet store, look at the fish. Eventually a small tank came up for sale, and she wanted to buy it for me. Uh, long story short, I got in the hobby when I was 19, and I've been in it since, and I'm uh, 32 now. Uh, unfortunately, no longer in my 20s. But uh, so, I mean, what what advice would I give to fish keepers? Um, that would be, don't get all your information from one place. Um, you know, I see a lot of bitter people on the internet that. Say, you know, don't get your information from here or there. I think just keep an open mind, do your research, and don't get all your information from one source. Um, look around, find somebody that you trust, and, you know, kind of go to them for your main pieces of information, but you still look around. A lot of information out there is really dated as well. So um, stick away, stay away from, like, older books and you know, older magazines, because, again, a lot of the information in them is, you know, pretty dated. Other than that, keep an open mind. Um, stay uh, stay humble, and uh, don't become, you know, one of the, the people that uh, are negative and, you know, shed a, a negative light on the hobby. That would be my advice. 
Sounds great. And actually, uh, you were saying that 32 is kind of old, but I think 32 years old is still kind of young. But that great advice. Yeah, I guess it's all perspective. No, I, I yeah. don't mind my age at all. I'm definitely I'm happy with who I am and uh, how old I am. So I'm, it's perfectly fine. Nice. So, uh, how did you get on YouTube? I know you've been on YouTube for a while, but I'm curious to know, how did you first find YouTube, and when did you create your YouTube channel? All right, so, obviously, YouTube wasn't was it, wasn't today, uh, wasn't what it always is, like, as is, as is it is today. Um, but at one point, um, I was just uploading videos like everybody else, and I don't know, I couldn't begin to tell you how many YouTube channels I have, because it was easier to create a new channel than it was to recover your old password. Um, so whenever I was uploading videos, if I couldn't remember the last username and password I used, I would just create a new one. And uh, one day it was Walru Joey, U-A-R-U-J-O-E-Y. It was available, I took it, started uploading videos, and it was the last one that I remembered the username and password for. So that's basically how I got on. You know, It was a mistake. I didn't mean to create... Um, an ongoing show or an ongoing, you know, any and didn't anticipate any success with YouTube, didn't care. Um, because at that time, you know, seven years ago is when I created my channel, back in 2008. At that time, you couldn't make money from YouTube. Um, there was no ads that you could have on your videos as somebody that just got into YouTube. Um, I made videos for four years and didn't make a penny. Um, and I think that's what, you know, a lot of, I think that's what separates me from a lot of the new YouTube channels these days is um but and I actually haven't had any success until the last 2 years but I think that's what's what what really um you know divides me from other people is that I know what it's like to create videos without making a penny and so I'm not actually chasing the money or chasing the views or anything like that I do it cuz I love it and I think a lot of people these days are chasing views because you can now everybody can make money from it and I think that uh, because of that, there's a hell of a lot, heck of a, I'm sorry, a heck of a lot more content available. But I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, that's true. I, I definitely love your channel because you're not about making money or, or getting views. I can see the passion and the love of the hobby shining through all your videos. And I gotta say, you're you're one of the most dedicated fish keepers that does some wonderful YouTube videos for the YouTube fish keeping lovers. Well, I, I, I do. I, I should mention, and I should add that it's not obviously I have to make money in order to create the videos that I create. I can't, you know, do my channel without making money. So, um, I do have to make money, and it is on my mind. And obviously, having people watch my videos keeps me alive, type of thing. Um, but you know, why do I have to make money? So there's a, there's a defining difference in between what I do and what a lot of other people do. Um, so every video I make costs me money, and sometimes it costs me a lot of money. Um, everything I build, I build it twice, one for me and one for the video. And one for me is just to make sure that I build it properly on video and do some testing and some adjustments, things like that. So everything you've ever seen, every project that's you know relatively small besides an aquarium, I've built it twice for that video. And last year alone, um, from the, from 2000. Uh, 14 to January 2015, I, it cost me, just for video production, over $11,000 to create the content for my channel. Um, and that is not compensating me for my time. Um, each video takes 20 to 40 hours to create. Just that four or five minute video, um, a lot goes into it. So obviously I do have to make money or my channel doesn't exist. It's really that simple. 
Um, but yeah, with that said, I mean, it's, that wasn't too. always the case. Awesome. Sorry for interrupting you. No, it's fine. Yes, uh, and I'd like okay. to congratulate you on a couple months ago. I seen you got your silver blade play button. That's a cool milestone. Yeah, so when you hit 100,000 subscribers, uh, YouTube recognizes it with a silver play button, which is essentially a plaque that has your channel name. Congratulations on surpassing 100,000 subscribers. Um, That meant a lot more to me than I let on in the video. I got that play button about three weeks before I made that video, Um, and it's only because I knew I wouldn't be able to keep it together on video. It really meant a lot to me, so I wanted the emotion and... uh, to really drain out of me and let me get over it until I made the video. But it definitely meant a lot to me. It was a lot of hard work, um, a, a lot of passion, a lot of hustle, I guess. Um, but it was really nice to be recognized um, to to reach that milestone. And I know that sometimes... Um, I know that sometimes YouTubers are not very well respected. Uh, however, it's really difficult to get anybody's attention in this day and age. And to be the first fish keeper to ever reach 100,000 meant an entire meant, meant a lot. You know, it, it was the, the most recognition you know that I could potentially get. So it was um, it was definitely a night. It was a great day when I got that. Yeah, a lot of hard work to get it, and I I could see you getting a gold eventually. Well, the gold is a million, and I do not think I would get a million. Um, you never know. Well, statistically, I'm not on track to reach a million for like 10 years or something like that. Um, I only do about uh, maybe 40,000, 50,000 new subscribers a year right now. Um, so, I mean, you do the math on that, it's going to take me an yeah. awfully long time, maybe 20 years. But with that said, um, statistically, I'll always be the biggest channel. No channel grows as fast as mine. And um, even if they did, even if I stopped getting subscribers and you know stopped making videos, I shut my channel down. It would take the next biggest channel almost three years to catch me. Yeah. But I mean, I don't. Um, it's it's great to see the numbers, to have a sense of what you've accomplished and where you've gotten to. Um, but at the same time, sometimes that's all people look at, yeah. uh, and they make assumptions about you, and they judge you based on numbers. Um, they think you don't deserve it, uh, and you get a ton of people that dislike you. Uh and I have plenty of those. I got more people that obviously like me, but you know, so uh with with success definitely comes, you know, problems. Yeah, that's another thing about YouTube is you always got the trolls and people that try to put you down and stuff. Well, that's going to be anywhere though. Um you know, uh, I have a fan page, Facebook groups, forum, uh, other social media and they're everywhere and it's, you know, um, one thing about me, and I try to tell other YouTubers this, is that um, I spend too much time on my videos to let somebody come through and crap on them. Um, and yeah. I don't mind constructive criticism. I don't mind suggestions. But some people get on there and name call. And a lot of the times you have to look at it into a, a different perspective. They don't know you. You have no idea who they are. And it's easier for me to delete the comment and move on. I have no time for negativity in what I do. I literally have zero time. And the, the the funny thing about putting yourself out in the public is this, is you could have 100 people tell you how great you are, 
but it will be that one person that tells you how bad you are that matters the most to you. It's the, it's the one that's going to ruin your day. It's going to be constantly thinking about it. You're going to get upset. You're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. You know, and a lot of times that's what trolls are looking for. So with me, I don't give them the opportunity to even be um, a thought. I simply see it, and you know, if I sense a troll, I just you know delete it and move on. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Don't give them any ammo. Yeah, no. Um, it, it's it. I guess you know some people would look at it as you know you know not giving people the opportunity to voice their opinions, but. And and it's not like that with me. What I mean is like the real negative, you know, racial slurs, yeah. cursing, name calling, um, you know, advertising. I get a ton of people advertising. Um, things like that is uh is what I look for and then they're gone type of deal. And uh I just move on. Awesome. So back on the fish keeping topic, I know you did a few videos on your DIY fish food and I heard you say that you don't feed it to them all the time. You moderate it between pellets and that kind of food. So what kind of pellets and <laughs> DIY food do you use? Well, okay, so it depends on the fish that I'm feeding. Um, so my discus will get the beef heart recipe that I've uh, I've fed them for I think seven or eight years now. They've always gotten the same food. Um, my rays will also get, and the arowana will get a seafood chowder mix type of thing, which is uh, I did a recent video on that where it was all it was was scallops, uh, tilapia, shrimp, and some liquid vitamins, um, and that's you know essentially all that was in that. But I do suggest obviously you alternate your foods, and when I do alternate it, and you guys are gonna like this, but I feed high carry, and I've been feeding high carry for mm, the entire time I've been in the hobby, and I don't mind uh, shouting out high carry or saying that I'm a a fan of them or that, you know, uh, I believe in them because it's just a matter of fact. I've been feeding them since, you know, before they had cichlid Excel sinking. I was feeding just their f floating formula, and I had dreamed, like, you know, maybe one day they'll get a sinking formula, and then they did. I started feeding that to my uh, my Waru, Sevrums. Um, I fed their discus Biogold to my discus at one point and still do sometimes. Um, felt fed there. My favorite food was uh, at one point was the Cichlid Biogold. I fed that to my Oscars. Uh, actually, the Cichlid Biogold Plus, and it was a white bag at the time. I don't know what it is now. Um, but right now, my favorite high carry food is uh, high carry uh, massivore and carnivore. Um, and even awesome. if I hated high carry, I'd still buy it because my fish think it's cracked. They love it. Yeah, that's great. Hikari has good products. Mm -hmm. And another, my last question, I'm going to pass it back to Alex. I ask this to all the fish keepers I talk to. What is your thought on the hybrids in the aquarium hobby? Um, you know, it all comes down to, you know, personal preference. I think that if, uh, um, you know, so there's going to be some purists in the hobby uh, that don't want them released to the wild, that don't want them to pollute the, the natural ecosystem, and, and that sort of thing. And I can totally understand that. But when you keep any animals in a caged system and you get hybrids out of it, it's not the animal's fault, and it's not another hobbyist's fault. It's your fault. Um, if you don't like hybrids, keep a species-only tank for every tank that you have. Do not allow any other types of species in it. Otherwise, you will get hybrids. Uh, I do think that hybrids, some hybrids look great. Like, I'm a fan of flower horns. Um, I had a beautiful flower horn. It was an import. It was a, a beautiful, and that's obviously a, one of the most well-known hybrids. 
Um, but I think that if the hybridization does not impact the fish's functionality, like it could eat properly, swim properly, and interact with other fish properly, now I don't see a huge problem with it. Um, I see a bigger problem in um, certain fish being sold in the hobby that shouldn't be like, uh, you know, big monster, monster fish that definitely shouldn't be offered for sale. But again, I'm not, uh, I'm not much of a purist, and a lot of the hybridization uh, controversy is typically within the, you know, the African cichlid hobby, um, where they don't like to see them mixed, or you know, they'll call them mutts, or no, I guess it, you know, it all depends on your preferences and what the fish ends up being like. But I, yeah, the, you know, I don't have a, I'm not against it. Yeah, the biggest, uh, I don't mind some of the hybrids, but I see a lot of people their biggest problem with is like the parrot cichlids that they tattoo and cut the tails like hearts and the glowfish and the stuff like that. Yeah, but that's not hybrid. That's not uh, being a hybrid though. That's um. so a hybrid could be anything. I mean, that's just a cross between a minimum of two different species uh, or e it doesn't even have to be species. It could be, you know, so if you like fancy uh, discus, if you like pigeon bloods or you like scorpion blues or you like tangerines, I've got all those. Those are all hybrids. So I think a lot of people just don't understand what a hybrid is in the first place, but um, or they're selectively bred. Call them what you want. They're you know they're they're a hybridization of what they used to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I think that um, I think that the the tattooing is wrong. I think dyeing is wrong. I think uh, a lot of those things are definitely wrong, and I don't support any of those. Awesome. I learned something about the hybridation, so I'll pass it on to Alan. All right. Uh, awesome, Jeff. So let's get back to the Akari thing uh, one last time. I know that uh, I'm very I'm very happy and honored that you uh, love Akari, uh, um, Joey. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, hi, Carrie knows that uh, I've uh, – well, I'm not sure if they know it. I've seen them at um, um, aquatic shows before, and I've talked to them. I don't know who it was, but, you know, they know I'm a fan. And you can see it in my videos, and I've used it. Um, but I'm a vivid, uh, or, or I'm an avid fan, though. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I protect them when people debate which foods are the best. Uh, so a lot of people will be like, you know, NLS is the best. I think I'd rather feed pebbles to my, you know, rocks to my fish, because that's kind of what NLS reminds me of. Or some people are feeding, <laughs> you know, new cobalt foods, or all these other different types of foods. And in my opinion... You know, um, you know, they might be all dandy foods, and they might be great, you know, and I'm not knocking them, but, you know, I definitely, you know, uh, foods is one thing that I, you know, stand behind, and Hikari has always been something that uh, that I've been a fan of. Awesome. So me and you always defend Hikari. I think Hikari should all sponsor YouTube, your YouTube channel because you've got a wonderful YouTube channel, so I'll make sure I'll mention that to my uh, the person that I contact for my show. I'll give your channel a nice uh, shout out. Maybe they'll sponsor you. Well, I don't. Um, I don't do sponsorships actually, Alex. So, but thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah. It would actually uh, be kind of cool. But I'll definitely. I'm glad to hear you love Akari. Oh yeah, absolutely. Feed them. Uh, you know, I can walk into my fish room right now and I see uh, three bags of massive board delight and a 2.2. Kilogram bag. I got some sinking carnivore pellets. I've got some discus bio gold, and then where's that other? Oh, the food sticks, the jumbo sticks uh, for my arowana. 
you got my silver happy now. I haven't fed him yet. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I know I, you're very... I get it, I get Oh, go. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that I know you're uh, you're very popular in uh, freshwater, but have you ever considered keeping saltwater yet? Um, you know, so what people keep is sometimes relative to their location. And for me, uh, the saltwater hobby is, you know, I guess it's on average almost as popular as freshwater, but I find the selection of fish, corals, and such is somewhat limited. I find that everybody's tank looks the same. Uh, I don't really have a big allure to saltwater. Uh, I've done a little saltwater tank before and lost interest almost the same day. Um, but I do find that, like, everybody kind of has the same tank. So it's, you know, maybe they put their rocks differently or, you know, the corals are slightly different. But I do find that a lot of uh, saltwater tanks locally, you know, all kind of look the same. So it's not as appealing to me as, you know, uh, freshwater. But, you know, some saltwater tanks are absolutely stunning. They're beautiful. Uh, I'm not knocking. It's just based on my location. It's, it's going to be really tough for me to keep what I would really want to keep. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Again, if, if any of our live listeners have any questions, please go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. And I guess my last question for you is, uh, can we expect to see some more of your fish on YouTube? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, next Sunday, I'm doing an update on uh, on um, my discus tank. A lot of people, or it's not a discus, a, a recent build that I've done. I actually didn't even mention in the videos what was actually going in it, so I guess I kind of ruined that surprise. But um, I am doing an update on a recent tank that I built. I think that's what next Sunday's is going to be, unless I um, release something different. But And it will be a fish update, so you'll see uh, you'll see lots of... Um, shots of the fish and that sort of thing. Awesome. So uh, do you think you'd be, you'd be honored to come back to the Aquatic Pet Line? Because I love having you here. You're a wonderful guest. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it all depends on timing and that sort of thing. Typically, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I have to schedule my time out precisely, but you gave me enough notice to, to slip it in. But um, I could probably come back again. Sure. Yeah, I'm thinking of having you on my 200th, 200th episode. It should be like in a couple of weeks, probably to a month. It'll be a little while from now, but I'd love to have you on my 200th episode. Which one is this? That's going to be uh, the Aquatic Wetline. We'll be celebrating our, our 200th episode, and I'd be honored to have you as one of my big guests on that show. Yes, I understand. But what is uh, what episode is this that we're on right now? Oh, this is our Aquarium Central. This is like our uh, our talk show. What number? Style, uh, what number show. is this episode? Oh, this is like uh, one, this might be like our 170th, so we've got a while to go. Oh, you've been doing this for a while, have you? Yeah, I've been doing this for a while, since 2013, so I'm probably about two years old now. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I was very honored you said you'd come on my show. I was like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) What's that? When you when you said you were gonna come on my show, I was very happy. It was like I was jumping up and down. Oh yes, up. yes. Okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, Alex, I think that everybody in this hobby is relevant. I think that everybody um, deserves to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to be treated the same. So whether you have a massive listening base or a small listening base, you know, it's it's totally irrelevant to me. Um, I don't do this sort of thing. 
to grow my own network or anything like that. This is uh, me um, doing what I love and, you know, giving back to the hobby and uh, being there for people that potentially could need the need the help. So it's something I don't mind at all. I genuinely appreciate that. It's very, very cool. And uh, thank you so much for being here tonight. I'll contact you and we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. You're welcome. You have a great night, sir, and thank you so much for being here. It means a lot to me. All right. Uh, I'll, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So I'll talk to you later, Alex, as well as Jeff. No, thank you, and thanks for answering all my questions. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. So I'll talk to you later, guys. All right. Awesome. That was uh, okay, totally wonderful. I definitely uh, definitely enjoyed that. So that was our wonderful guest tonight. I definitely had fun, and I hope our uh, listeners enjoyed that. This is a fun show. And we're actually going to go ahead and cut to our first commercial break. This commercial break is being sponsored by Akari Sales USA, SK International Aquarium Supply, School of Fish, Inc., It's a band, Tropical Fish, and North Texas Holy Rock. And last but not least, we've got our wonderful group, Freshwater Fish Freaks, on Facebook. And we're also going to hear a song in this commercial break called Don't Stand So Close to Me. And when we come back, I want to talk about some new fish that I got this week and why I love these particular fish. And we'll have a little bit of a fish chat, and we'll get ready to wrap up this wonderful show. So stick around, folks. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Picosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles. And BioPure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. ST International Cram Supply is a proud sponsor of the Aquatic Wetline Podcast, as heard here live on the ACE Network. ST International offers aquarists a variety of fine aquarium products, including filters, heaters, aquarium feeders for your fish. We offer the best planted aquarium equipment on the market today. You can even become a member of our website and receive discounts on our products anywhere from 5 to 20% off. So come check out ST International Aquarium Supply at www.st.international.com or call us for more information at 1-800-900-8288. For orders over $175, ST International will ship your order to you for free. So come check out ST International today. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in western Massachusetts needs. 
We offer the best of livestock from fresh water to salt water and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts. And we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Closed Tuesdays. Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C. See on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. It's your band, Tropical Fish. is proud to partner with the Aquatic Wetline Online Radio. It's your band, Tropical Fish, brings to you exotic and rare tropical fish shipped straight to your door. Stingrays, dat noise, peacock bass, arowanas, and much more. If you are into rare and exotic fish, we have the fish just for you. For more information, check out our website, itchabandtropical.com, and also check us out on Monster Fish Keepers, Itchabond Tropical Fish. North Texas Holy Rock, providing the world the finest holy rock, one rock at a time. Satisfaction guaranteed. Whether you're looking for a small single piece or 200 pounds to set up your first MB Una tank, North Texas Holy Rock can provide you what you need. You will not find a company that offers the same level of customer service or an owner who truly enjoys setting up your tank as if it were his own. North Texas Holy Rock also offers all related aquarium supplies and accessories. Find us on the web at ntholyrock.com. That's N-T-H-O-L-E-Y-R-O-C-K.com. North Texas Holy Rock. Freshwater fish lovers. Are you on Facebook right now? I bet you are. Come check out the wonderful group called Freshwater Fish which has over 2,000 freshwater fish for you. Whatever you see, community fish, monster fish, oddball fish, or even goldfish, all freshwater fish keepers are welcome. Open arms. You will not find another group with such wonderful freshwater bodies who share their love of the hunt. So type in that search bar on Facebook, Freshwater Fishery, and click join to be part of this awesome Freshwater Fish group on Facebook. So, Freshwater Fishery, are you waiting for it? Come check us out.
young teacher, the subject of schoolgirl fantasies. She wants him so badly, knows what she wants to be. Inside her, there's longing, this girl's in no pain page. But Martin, she's so close now. live to the Aquatic Wetline Radio Show, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. What's swimming in the tank today? What tropical fish are we talking about today? Let's dive into the fish tank and find out. Feel free to call in at 347-989-8142 with any questions or comments about tropical fish or the topic for today. We'll see you right now here on the Aquatic Wetline. Enjoy the show. 
you are tuned in live to the Aquatic Wetline. Don't be a scared little guppy and call in at 1-347-989-8142 for all your fish keeping needs. And everyone, welcome back to the Aquatic Wetline on this fine Sunday evening. And we had a fantastic episode of Aquarium Central thus far here on YouTube today. We had the wonderful Fishkeeper from YouTube, perhaps the best fishkeeping YouTube channel on YouTube. We had the wonderful king of DIY, Walru Joey, as our very first guest on Aquatic Wetlines, Aquarium Central. And you know what? I'm very honored that we had the king of DIY, Walru Joey, on the Aquatic Wetline because it's kind of fitting because the Aquatic Wetline is actually the first freshwater fishkeeping podcast here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Yes, that's correct. The Aquatic Wetline is the first original freshwater fishkeeping podcast on Blog Talk Radio. It would have been an injustice if uh, another uh, freshwater podcast got King of DIY before I did because I was here first. But I'm actually uh, quite glad that I was the first to get the King of DIY while Rujoli as a guest here on the Aquatic Wetline. A very, very big honor of mine. So, we were going to have a second guest on the show today, but he can't make it, so we can uh, maybe schedule him for another show. But I'd like to go ahead and have a couple of uh, other fish discussions, and if you want, you the listeners can go ahead and join us. And the number to call in is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. That again is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. So. First, I want to talk about some new fish that I actually picked up this weekend. I was actually in my Aunt Cheryl's town, um, South Hadley, Massachusetts, which is about maybe 30, 45, maybe 50 minutes away from me. And I happened to actually uh, stop by and visit my good friend, Ed Picard, from uh, Fish Frenzy, Tropical Fish, in South Hadley, Mass. I've been shopping at Ed Picard for a while now. I shopped at his store in West Springfield. I shopped at his store in Indian Orchard. I shopped at a store in Ludlow, Massachusetts. And now I bought some fish from South Hadley. So I went in there with the intention of buying some fish food, but you guys know I am. I'm like addicted to buying fish. And I actually saw that he had some uh, very interesting silver dollars from his recent uh, uh shipment of tropical fish, freshwater fish, and he had a whole bunch of silver dollars. And I instantly loved them because you guys know that I've been uh, really, really big in the silver dollar side of the hobby. I love the freshwater silver dollars, and I've been keeping them for quite a while now. They've been a favorite fish of mine for many years. So I decided to uh, pick them up. I had some extra cash in my wallet, and I ended up getting two uh, Finbar, Mylia Shumbaki, and as I said on one of my personal YouTube videos I did last night, the Mylia Shumbaki Finbars don't grow big. They get anywhere from four to six inches long in length, and they are actually a very, very nice silver dollar, and the Finbar silver dollars are actually one of my personal favorites, so I got two of them for $50. And then he had some really big uh, Mentonist Argentus, common regular common regular silver dollars. I got two of those for $14 a piece. 
And last but not least, I picked up three Red Hook Silver Dollars. And Red Hooks are one of my personal favorite Silver Dollars of all time. And generally, Red Hooks don't get any bigger than maybe 8 to 10 inches in length. So they should be fine in the 120 for a while. So I picked up seven Silver Dollars this weekend. Two thin bar silver dollars, two regular silver dollars, and three red hooks. And they're actually adding a lot of color to my aquarium and definitely a lot of activity to my aquarium because um, my Oscars only swim around a little bit. They swim up and down the glass, but they're not really that active or they don't bring that much color to the aquarium. The chocolate swims around a little bit. The serums usually come out during feeding time, but generally they hang towards the bottom of the aquarium, and my freckles are usually hiding in the driftwood, and the arowana is in the deep part of the aquarium. I really don't see him until it's feeding time either. So I wanted to add something with activity to my aquarium, and I picked up this wonderful, nice group of silver dollars, and I think silver dollars are a great, great addition to any South American cichlid tank, and I think um, they're awesome. So if you're looking for a nice addition to a South American cichlid tank, I'd say go get some silver dollars. Now today, while I was at work, um, somebody actually brought in a small school of tinfoil barbs, four of them to be exact, three regular ones, and one golden albino tinfoil barb. They're not that big. They're like two, three inches each. And I decided to take them in because generally what will happen at work, what will happen at work is they, if they don't sell those tinfoil barbs, they actually use them as feeders for some of their larger predatory fish. And I kind of like tinfoil barbs because they're an interesting species of fish. And actually, barbs one of the small feeder fish species that I like. I, I like the smaller rosy red barbs, but let's be honest, if they put them in an Oscar tank, they're going to be a quick launch. Uh, I actually like some of the nice little tiger barbs out there, even though they're really thin nippy and things of that nature. So I saw those tinfoil barbs, and I immediately asked if I can uh, take them and put them in my 120, and they actually gave them to me because they're kind of hard to sell up here. So now I've got four tinfoil barbs. I know they get pretty big, so I don't I don't plan on keeping them. They're full life, but I do want to grow them out and enjoy them for the time that I can. So this weekend I got seven silver dollars and four tinfoil barbs for my 120. And uh, the last thing I really want in my aquarium is a catfish because you know Oscars and you know a lot of the South American cichlids make a huge mess in your aquarium. So I want a catfish to eat all the leftover food that hits the bottom. So if any of you, the live listeners, have any suggestions, post them in the live chat room or call in at 1-347-989-8142. Now the sad thing about that is a lot of my fish stores right now have no catfish. I don't know why, but there really is no options for catfish at any of my fish stores right now. I mean, all I see at my fish stores right now are Corridors, and we all know Corridors would be a quick snack for my Oscars and a little bit of tiny Raphael's I can find, but we all know tiny fish would be lunch. So hopefully in the meantime, in the next couple of weeks here, I'll be able to uh, find some good-sized catfish. Um, I actually want... Uh, a nice Cynodontist or a nice four-line Pimadella catfish. So, again, any of our listeners, if you have any questions on today's show, one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two, or you can uh, give some catfish suggestions to me. So, uh, Jeff, what do you think about that? 
I think it's awesome. You got a you have a heavily stocked tank. Yeah, you know me, I like to have heavily stocked tanks because if you have a pretty big size tank, and, I, and I've got to say my 120 is pretty big, it's like 4.5 feet by 24.5 feet by 25.5 feet, and actually going by my aquarium calculator, it's actually 127 gallons if the uh, aquarium calculator is pretty big. So pretty much everything that I have in that tank is going to be able to live in there for, for life. Uh, but you guys know me, uh, sometimes I like to roll home fish, uh, a lot. So when I say I plan on keeping things for life, half the time it doesn't come true. But this time there are a lot of fish that I will be keeping for life, like the silver dollars and one or at least one of those Oscars. But yeah, I like, I like having heavily stocked tanks. If you if you have a fish tank with only one or three or four fish, I think you're wasting a tank space. But uh, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Sounds uh, sounds great. Now, um, I guess I really don't have anything else to talk about tonight. Do you have anything you want to talk about, Jeff? Oh, I just was going to think, I was going to ask you, so what do you think, who do you think your next guest is going to be? I don't know. I'm definitely trying to get another big guest here on the show. Uh, I'll tell you this, there is going to be a guest next Sunday here on Aquarium Central. I think this is a wonderful opportunity for Aquatic Wetline to show some love to fellow fish keepers. And I will uh, find my own guest, and I will make sure that they have fun here on the Aquatic Wetline. So there will be a guest next Sunday. I'm not sure exactly who the guest is going to be, but there will be a guest. Um, I have a couple of people in mind. I'm just trying to convince them to come on the Aquatic Wetline, but there will be a guest here each and every Sunday here on the Aquatic Wetline. Maybe there might even be more than one guest on our show today. I was trying to get another guest on the show, but uh, he couldn't make it today. But there will be a guest next uh, next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, this is an awesome show, though. Yeah, I, I am really, 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 really happy that uh, um, I had uh, Walru Joey on the show today because, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've always been a fan of Walru Joey. I loved his channel back when he started in 2008, and I love it now in 2015, and I'm very honored to have the opportunity to have Waru Joey on the show. Like I said before, there are several other freshwater fishkeeping shows here on Blog Talk Radio, and I am very honored that I, as the original freshwater fishkeeping show, was able to uh, secure Waru Joey here on Blog Talk Radio. And we're definitely going to have Waru Joey on the Aquatic Wetline again as we celebrate our 200th episode. Yes, that's right. We're getting ready for our 200th episode, which is like 30 episodes away. So that's an honor of mine as well. I see you got a question in chat. Oh, yep, that's from my uh, my wonderful uh, friend, Andy, from the Dakota Network. And he's actually going to have a wonderful uh, paranormal show tonight. So there's two great shows. Our sister network, Dakota Network, is going to be doing a show on paranormal paranormal tonight at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Central, 8.30 p.m. Mountain, and I believe that's 7.30 p.m. Pacific. So uh, all of our listeners, make sure to go check that out, blogtalkradio.com forward slash um, Dakota Network, and you guys will be able to listen to that wonderful show. And a great, great, great point there, Andy. He says, hey, Alex, just think of how well your show will sound 
once you have a microphone like the Blue Yeti. And I actually am going to be doing a show with my new microphone tomorrow. So uh, make sure you guys tune in for that. So, uh, yeah, so thank you very much, Andy, for uh, mentioning that. So uh, do, you, do you think there's anything, we should, anything else we should mention, Jeff? Oh, I pretty much mentioned everything. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take our final commercial break of the evening. And when we come back, I've got a major announcement to make regarding the aquatic wetline. And I'll make some other announcements regarding the Ace Network. So this commercial break is being sponsored by our non-fishkeeping friends, Cheesecakes by Design, Jambox, the Paranormal Hour on Dakota Network, and all of our other wonderful sponsors. And we're also going to hear one more song during this commercial break, and this song is called Wear Sunglasses at Night. So enjoy our last commercial break, folks. Are you looking for something creamy, moist, and decadent in your life? Do you have a sweet tooth? Well, cheesecakes are the answer for you. Cheesecake by Design offers you a wide variety of cheesecakes and some wonderful flavors. At Cheesecake by Design, you will find a flavor just for you. Whatever it be. A red velvet cheesecake. A strawberry cheesecake. Or a cookies and cream cheesecake. We have tons of flavors to fit your needs. We ship fresh cheesecakes all over the United States straight to your door. So next time you're hosting a party, a family get-together, or a cookout, and you need dessert, order a delicious, moist, creamy cheesecake from Cheesecake by Design. Our cheesecakes are always homemade and made with the freshest possible ingredients. Check out our website and call 336. 525-5120 with any questions or to place an order. Choosing guitar accessories can be expensive and time-consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Jambox will deliver the necessities right to your front door. Jambox is great for players of any age and all experience levels. Try new brands, new products, and get your jam on. Order a Jambox today at www.jamboxcanada.ca. Are you interested in the paranormal? Do you find it interesting when people tell ghost stories or tell you stories about things that have happened to them that they cannot explain? Then, if you are, join me, Andrew J., on the Dakota Network as I interview paranormal investigators, cryptozoologists, and everything paranormal. You won't be disappointed, so please feel free to come over to the Dakota Network. That's Dakota Network on Blog Talk Radio. And listen to me live as I interview these interesting people. I will have paranormal investigators on there that are going to share EVPs. They're going to talk about some of their more interesting stories they have. So please, come over and check me out. You won't be disappointed. And thank you for your time.
The Seidman Cancer Center is committed to improving the health of our community and has developed a program called Eight Ways to Prevent Cancer. By making these eight simple lifestyle changes, you can help reduce your risk of getting cancer, maintain a healthy weight, exercise regularly, eat a healthy diet, don't smoke, drink alcohol in moderation, protect yourself from the sun and STDs, and get regular screening tests. Take control of your health. Visit the Seidman Cancer Center exhibit for more information. Seidman Cancer Center, national leaders in cancer. Discover Romanian business opportunities. Our TV show offers free information about domestic entrepreneurial environment, interviews, and more. Don't miss it. Do you enjoy listening to Ace Network? Do you want to know more about Ace Network? Then join our Facebook group called Ace Network Fan Group. In this group, you could post your thoughts on today's show. You could post your thoughts on anything aquarium-related, cooking-related, sports, WWE-related, anything PG-13. So the next time you're on Facebook, search for the Ace Network Fan Group. Click Join. You could also friend Alex Cardinelli on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at AlexCardinelli1. And don't forget, our show page is blogtalk.com forward slash AlexCardNetwork. And please, enjoy our shows.
Okay, we're back here on the Aquatic Wetline on Aquarium Central, and this is a uh, phenomenal show. Now, before I end today's show, I've got a couple of announcements that I would like to make. Now, I know a majority of the listeners of the Aquatic Wetline have both freshwater and saltwater, and there are even some of you out there who actually listen to the Aquatic Wetline because you love the fish-keeping hobby, but you just only keep saltwater. And I know you're probably disappointed that I am too stubborn to do saltwater shows. Well, not anymore. So for all of my uh, saltwater listeners out there, I've got something important to tell you guys. The Aquatic Wetline will now be having a weekly saltwater series here on the Aquatic Wetline. Yes, that's right. We're finally going to have a saltwater show. And it's going to debut tomorrow, Monday, May 4th, 2015, at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Uh, 3 p.m. Mountain, and 2 p.m. Pacific. Yes, that's right. Our saltwater series debuts tomorrow. And it's going to be co-hosted by Mr. Christopher Betson, who's actually in the same area that I live. Christopher lives right here in Western Mass, and he is pretty knowledgeable in saltwater. He actually has some pretty expensive corals and some pretty expensive saltwater vertebrates. He frags his own corals, so he has a lot of experience in the saltwater hobby. So he's going to be the host of the Saltwater Enthusiast Hour here on the Aquatic Wetline. And I've got to tell you, I'm very honored to have that here on the Aquatic Wetline. It's very, very cool. So I know all of you are probably excited hearing that, and I'm very excited to be hosting that. So I listen to your demands, I listen to your begs, and I listen to your pleas. The Aquatic Wetline is going to be having a Saltwater series starting Monday, May 4th at 5 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys tune in tomorrow because you guys have been asking for it and I'm delivering it. So make sure you listen to it tomorrow live at 5 p.m. Eastern. And we're actually going to expand into having guests on saltwater and I plan on bringing on some experts in the saltwater hobby. But we're taking it one step at a time because I plan on starting from a beginner's point of view on saltwater because I am a beginner entering into the saltwater world, and I want to start from a beginner's point of view and work my way up to an advanced point of view. So it may take a while before we get into the advanced side of the saltwater hobby. For those of you who are really into the saltwater hobby, it may take a while before we get into your taste of saltwater, but we're going to get there at some point, but I want to start from beginner and work my way up to the advance, because that's how I feel that fish keeping podcast should be done, because I can come on here and talk to advanced fish keeping hobbyists, but what if I had uh, someone that was interested into the aquarium, but they have never been in a hobby, and they really want to get into the aquarium hobby, they would feel pretty lost, and they would stop listening to my show. So I want to make sure I go from beginner point of view all the way to an advanced point of view. So I'll promise you this. If you've never kept saltwater before, you're going to learn how to keep saltwater, and you're going to uh, be pretty, pretty darn interested in entering into the saltwater hobby. So join me tomorrow at 5 p.m. for that wonderful show. And then we've got a new series for the Aquatic Wetline, Back in the Freshwater Side, 
we're doing a new series called Angel Fish Keepers Hour, where I'm going to have some wonderful angelfish guests, and we'll be talking about angelfish, how to raise angelfish, and all of that wonderful stuff. And uh, lastly, um, next Sunday will be our third episode of Aquarium Central, and we'll have some wonderful guests of that stuff. And I can't wait for that. So uh, that's all of my announcements for today's show. Do you have any announcements you'd like to make, Jeff? Yeah, just everybody, thanks for listening, and be sure to go check out Dakota Discus tonight for his Paranormal Hour on his network. Yes, make sure, make sure you subscribe to his network here on Block Talk Radio, Dakota Network. He's got a great fish-keeping show, a great reptile show, and a great paranormal show. So I personally, Alice Cardinelli, would once again like to say thank you to Waru Joey for accepting my invitation to be part of the Aquatic Wetline and Aquarium Central. It means a lot to me, even though I'm kind of small compared to him. I'm glad I took the time to be here and uh, talk fish with us. So once again, Walter Joey, thank you so much for being on the Aquatic Footline. It means a ton to me. And thank you all for listening to the show, because without you, the lovely listeners, the Aquatic Footline would be nothing. And I sincerely mean that. And uh, thank you, Jeff, for being a part of the show as well. Again, the Aquatic Footline would not be nothing without you as well, Jeff. Well, thank you. Awesome. So uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please go ahead and share it on your Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. And also make sure to tell your friends about today's wonderful show. I promise to deliver many great shows for you, the listeners, so keep on listening. With that being said, Aqua Alex and Fishkeeper Jeff signing off. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and have a great week, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Aquatic Wetline here on Ace Network. Oscar Alex and his tank mates at the Aquatic Wetline hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget the Aquatic Wetline airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Standard Time, and every other Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time exclusively here on the Ace Network. Fish Keepers, if you enjoyed the show, please copy and paste the URL to your Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus. Tank on, fish keepers. And Oscar Alex and the Aquatic Wetline swim away. The Aquatic Wetline is off the air. Good night, everybody. podcast belongs to the Ace Network, Alice Cardelli Entertainment Network. It may not be reused, redistributed without permission from Alice Cardinelli himself. This podcast was recorded live from the Springfield, Massachusetts studio and Ace Network.